Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Where we've been in this idea of advance, not to take time really just to reflect um, too much on this, but where we've been the idea of advance, we've taught a biblical narrative, a mandate around what the Kingdom of God is about and we took weeks to be able to do it. We looked about the authority that we now carry. We taught about a biblical principle of kingdom authority. And then over the last couple of weeks, where we've been starting to turn to in Matthew chapter 13, we're looking about the parables, the teachings of Jesus as he starts to unpack, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. In the last two weeks, we've been looking at the parable of the sower. Um, looking specifically while there's been the seed, looking about the ground, the condition of our heart. And you know, one of the key things in that for me, even this week, as we sit around the parable that we're coming to this morning, with the deposit of seed, we need to recognize that God's desire is that he always constantly wants to deposit fresh seed. It's not just about the moment that we were saved, that there was something of a seed that deposited that allowed us to come to that moment of salvation. But the Lord always always wants to deposit fresh seed and to encounter us in new ways and allow his kingdom to engage with us in that way. And so it's important for us in the condition of our heart. And then last week, Phil brought us just looking about the parable of um, the wheat and the tares, just the recognition that there's another kingdom that is at work while we believe and we're teaching about the advancement of the kingdom of heaven. There's another kingdom and that's at work. And we were looking about the reality for us to stay alert in those ways. Today, as we come and again, framed around this posture of advance, not just simply about how do we defend, how do we guard ourselves, but in this posture of advance. Today, we're going to be, if you turn the scriptures with me, Matthew 13, uh, we're going to be reading five verses. Actually, we're going to read these five verses for the next two weeks, which is going to be fun, uh, just unpacking the five verses over two weeks. Um, so if you want to turn in your script and your Bibles, if you have it or on your phones, there's going to be on the screen as well. Let me just skip, skip through these slides. Here it is. Um, So Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. Uh, Father, we welcome your voice amongst us. And we just pray to speak to us through these words. So this, this is the parable. In Matthew 13, Jesus says this. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants. And becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through all the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Where we're going to be um, with this, this week we're going to be looking about the mustard seed. Next week we'll look about the verses specifically to do with the yeast, the parable of the yeast. But in the idea of the parable of the mustard seed, I guess pretty much the thing that we're just going to be reinforcing over and over and over again this morning and the thing for us in terms of this posture of faithfulness and how we live our lives for God, the simple truth that I glean from this parable is this, the big is in the small. The big is in the small. Two things, two truths that are just over this that we've been learning over the last while since even as we've been looking at this um, and the theme of advance. Firstly, God desires 
for you to live and experience his fullness of life by engaging with his kingdom. On Monday night, past and grow, this was a line I was, I was teaching with there and, and grow on temptation and repentance, but there was just this line and I hadn't planned to, but it just kept repeating it over and over and over and over again. It was one of those ones, I, I do believe it, but it was just like, I'm getting it more and more and more myself. It was just this truth. The Father loves us and desires fullness of life for us. The Father loves us and desires fullness of life for us. The Father loves us and desires fullness of life. God desires for you to live and experience fullness of life through his kingdom. But God also, the second thing to say is, desires that you would be a carrier of this truth and an agent of transformation, and that you would, that I would deposit these seeds in our lives daily where God has placed us. These two truths are important for us to hold over all of this. Because when we get to this, in this parable, we can downplay and miss the significance of what Jesus is trying to teach unless we have a true understanding of those two simple truths. God loves you, desires for you to experience his fullness, but God desires that you would carry and deposit those seeds and be an agent of transformation and truth in your life. But how does that actually happen? And in this parable, in this parable of the mustard seed, what Jesus references in this parable is one of the smallest and almost could seem like the most insignificant of seeds. Look at this picture. And this is not my finger. My nails are way more bitten down than that as well. And this is a mustard seed. This is what it looks like. It's in comparison to other seeds. It looks really insignificant. It looks like almost like a speck of dust, whatever it might be. But it was a really insignificant thing. And Jesus, what he starts to talk about, he's saying the kingdom of heaven because you see the parables that have gone before and the disciples and even on our understanding of the teaching of this, it's been around the focus of the condition of our heart. It's been about the focus of there's another kingdom that comes against and there's almost something of a, what do we do? Like there's a, God help us with this. But now Jesus starts to turn it to actually say, actually guys, lift your heads up. There's a recognition of the kingdom of heaven as it starts to outwork its, its way in our lives that there's something about the small deposits of what we carry in our lives that are massive. You see, the significant thing about the mustard seed was this, and it tells us this in the parable, that it actually becomes, it says, the biggest of the garden plants. This is what a mustard seed would grow to. A mustard seed um, could grow into a bush or a tree, could go as high as 10 to 15 feet high. In the autumn periods, its branches could become really rigid. And uh, so much so, and it would grow really wide. Look, look at the width of the, of the tree in this one, that the birds would come and would find nest in it. And again, listen for us in this series, the truth is God desires to advance. The truth, though, that I learned from this parable, and this is something that, that excites me, the truth that I learned from this parable, which propels me into mission, is this, is that what I carry, even what can seem like the most insignificant parts of my life, count and are of worth. Let me say that again. What, what, what I carry, what you carry, even what can seem like the most insignificant parts of your life, count and are of worth in the kingdom. You see, we can often be, I don't know about you, we can often be waylaid by a mindset that it always or often has to be big to be kingdom. For it to be something of the kingdom, it has to be big and it has to be grand. There's a false mindset that can creep into the church that unless it's big and bold, that it doesn't really match up to what kingdom ministry is all about. And don't get me wrong, I do believe, because we see it in the scriptures, we do believe in signs and wonders. And of course, we long and we hunger for more and more and more of it. 
But the thing that can happen is with this word, comparison can rob us and can nullify us from actually getting on with how the kingdom wants to outwork itself in our life on a daily basis. So as we, as we frame this around advance, and even where we've got to last week, there is a reality that there's another kingdom that's at work. We are in a spiritual battle day and daily. As we move forward and as we press forward, as we grow in the things of the Lord, there's a recognition that we are, we are stepping into all that God has for us, but there's something that comes against. But I don't know about you, but sometimes when we think about spiritual warfare, our minds can often go, we've just finished a period where we've been uh, having Remembrance Day. We've been thinking about the great wars. We've been thinking about um, Britain and Germany thinking about the, the, the fighting that went on between them. Sometimes when we think about spiritual warfare, our minds can go to pictures like that of two great enemies that are coming against one another. Maybe your picture of things like Saving Private Ryan, of, of these ideas of what war would actually be about. Winston Churchill, in his speech off the back of the war, said this, We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And again, we often can liken spiritual warfare to this idea of these two kingdoms. And yet the reality that we need to see from Scripture is this. In spiritual warfare, firstly, the two kingdoms are not two opposing equal kingdoms. What I see from Scripture is this, is that Jesus has already defeated Satan and his kingdom at Calvary. They're not two equal and opposing kingdoms that are at work. The kingdom of darkness has already been defeated. His judgment has already been passed down. We see this in Scriptures. This is what it says about Jesus. He made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross recognize the truth of the victory of Calvary, what it has won for us. He is a defeated foe. His kingdom has been defeated. Jesus has already rendered, rendered victory and proclaimed victory over him. He has been defeated. This is not an equal and opposing foe in our life. And yet while he is uh, he, he, it's significant that we don't downplay the, effect, the effects of the enemy in our lives, this is the truth. He has already been defeated. Be it in our lives, Satan desires, of course, still to kill, kill, steal, and destroy. He desires to stop the kingdom of heaven being demonstrated in our lives. And yet how he will do that, and I guess this is where I'm coming to this morning, is about the tactics of warfare. How Satan will do that, yes, there's big things that could happen in our lives, but the way that he primarily will do this is through subtle lies, through subtle whispers, subtle distractions that de deviate our focus and draw us away from God. Listen to what Peter says. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lamb, looking for someone to devour. And yet, as we come against, so while there's something, and even from last week, and just starting on that this morning, while there's something that we need to be guarded against, the advanced mindset of, is not one of being on the back foot. <laughs> This is where we started this whole series with the truthful declaration that Jesus says he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. We are the church that will go forward, that will advance. And yet how we do this, 
And this is why we come back to where we started with this. The big is in the small. Yes, while we believe that there will be big outworkings of the God's kingdom, the way that it primarily will happen, and this is the tactics of warfare that we need to embed in our lives, is that God desires to outwork his kingdom in the small and what can often seem like ordinary aspects of your life. And yet sometimes because it just feels like, well, it's not as big as some of the other things that other people are doing. We downplay, actually, God, this is how your kingdom is working in my life. This is what you desire to do in my life. The reality is, though, and this is what this verse would say, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. We shouldn't desire or expect the big without being faithful in the little. We shouldn't desire or expect the big without being faithful in the little, and yet the little, almost ordinary ways are how God primarily wants to grow his kingdom. So let, let, let me just practically just say this, just for two or three minutes. What are some of the little things? And th- so these are just some of my ramblings and some of my thoughts. You could put some of your own thoughts and your own ideas into this. But what are some of the little ways that actually God could seek to demonstrate himself through our lives? Firstly, the big and the small idea greetings. If you're at the prayer meeting on Wednesday night past, we were praying um, for um, our, our heart posture and our response and praying for, for foreign nationals, for, for migrants who were living within our country at the moment. We had a guy here, so Stephen Smith was here from Gregavan Intercultural Program, and we had a guy here from Bruno. He was part of a Portuguese church here who's working here in, in the community. And uh, one of the things which he told in his story, which was just so beautiful, he, and, and allowed me to see the significance of this, he said, you know, that often what can happen when you're, when you're often in the margins, when you're often in the outside of things, when you often feel like an outsider, one of the things that he recognized that was so different about some of the people that he met here in this country was that people would actually take the time to just simply say hello. He said he would go back to his own country, and he said like that he would then try to do this to people, and people would think he was weird, <laughs> you know, as he started to say hello. But the thing that actually was a, a difference for him was when people took time to actually just simply say hello. You see, while there's, yes, and let me say this again, while we want to believe for the big things and the big manifestations of God's kingdom in this world, when we need, we need to start with the small things and be faithful in the small things. And sometimes it means actually for the people around you that you give them the time of day to actually even simply say hello. People who are lonely and are isolated, people who no one engages with, that we as the church would actually just do something as simple as just simply saying hello. The reality too that we, with the, we can almost seem like a small thing, but that we would be people of truth purposes and the strategy of the enemy. He's a liar. He has been from the beginning. Jesus actually says that he is the father of lies. And one of the ways which we negate what the kingdom of darkness is about is that simply we are people of truth. The Bible says this in Ephesians, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. Speaking truth with love, we will grow into him in the full maturity that is in, into Christ. Speaking truth is important in these ways. Again, it's part of our tactics in the small ways. There's no point, let me say this, there's no point desiring to speak words of prophecy or speaking in words of tongues if we can't even simply speak words of truth. Right? There's no point desiring to speak words of prophecy or desiring to speak words in words of tongues if we simply can't speak words of truth. 
we're the church. These are the simple ways that the kingdom of God wants to manifest itself in our lives. We are different. The fruit of the Spirit, if we look onto the next part of it, I could reference the whole of the fruit of the Spirit, and I probably should, but just some of the beginning parts of it. Love, joy, peace. Do we recognize it even with these words, that these are something to do with the character and the nature of who we are? That we are people that not just speak about uh, the truth, almost a theology, that we should be a people of love, but we can embody this and live it out. And when we can be a people who love one another, that we can be a people that are filled with joy, that we can be a people when all around seems to be falling apart, that we can be a people that embody and bring peace with us into certain environments. It brings a difference in the small ways of this. When we can be a people, the next part of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness. When we can be a people that actually, even through simple acts of kindness to other people, the unlocking parts of it that allows the seed of the kingdom to start to be deposited in people's lives. There's no point coming with the proclamation of you're going to hell and Jesus loves you unless we can simply be embedded and be faithful in the small ways that actually his kingdom wants to demonstrate itself in people's lives. So how are we loving other people even through small acts of kindness? People around you that maybe just need a meal or need a hand, people actually even in your work that you're willing to go the extra mile to help them with their task, even if it means that your task gets overlooked. Simple ways which we can simply embody God's kingdom in our lives. And then final thing, just that I have my list. Listen, this, again, these are just some of my thoughts that I just scribbled down. (laughs) And this probably would love for you to be thinking, what are some of the small ways that actually, even this week, that as you're watching, you're just, what are some of the opportunities for the small ways that you can bless people? What are some of the small ways that you can start to deposit seeds of the kingdom in people's lives? And one of the small ways, huge ways, but yet I think again with this, that we miss it by comparison to what can be big instead of small, is even around the area of prayer. I hear it repeatedly where people say, oh, I can't pray as good as such and such and such and such. And usually what you're saying is, I can't talk as long. <laughs> Or I can't talk as well. We all can pray. We all can bring simple words to God in prayer. And our prayers are powerful and effective. And do not let the lies of the enemy negate you talking and speaking words of prayer. And even if it's praying with someone and praying, God bless them. Those prayers are huge. These are the small ways in which the kingdom seeks to be demonstrated. Again, Jesus shows that even with the deposit of something small, the multiplying effect the kingdom can have. The mustard tree was huge in the result of it. We see this actually even in the biblical narrative. We see that even with the kingdom of of God as Jesus' church starts to be established. We see this in the book of Daniel. This was a prophecy. But the rock that struck uh, the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. It was talking about the kingdom of God and about the church of Jesus. And at the time of Jesus' ascension, as Jesus goes back to heaven, we see it. There was only a small beginning. There was only, we actually read in that upper room, there was 120 believers. It doesn't sound like a massive army. It doesn't sound like a massive kingdom. There was a small, almost what would be like a mustard seed deposit. And yet because people were faithful in the small ways and decided to live their lives out in front of other people and in front of the culture in which they lived, suddenly this started to multiply and it started to grow. This is the truth. And see, what we've talked about in some of the parables before about the, the biblical principles of seed time and harvest, it's the biblical principle of sowing and reaping. 
the things which we sow, we will also reap. And what we actually see was as the church were committing themselves in the small ways to be the deposits of seeds and to carry these things and to deposit seeds in culture, they started to reap massive things. And so what we see as the church started to grow from the beginning place at Pentecost, or from 120 people waiting in an upper room in Acts 2 in the day of Pentecost, it grows to 3,000 in a single day. In Acts chapter 4, it increases by another 5,000 men alone. And in Acts chapter 6, we read this word, or this, the, these, this phrase, it was multiplying very rapidly. Through staying faithful, the song that we've sung this morning, through staying faithful, even in the small west, we see it starting to grow and to grow and to grow. And yet, what are the results? While we stay faithless, what are some of the results that we we get to see from the parable is what it says. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. It's not just about it becoming big, but there's a purpose for this. The birds come and perch in its branches. One minute, just a reference, actually Phil, about a year and a half ago, taught on this, and I just wanted to reference, because it, it's true in this context as well, but yet I want to frame it from around this posture of advance. So in, in, in this understanding about the, the, the birds of the air, Phil had referenced that actually, obviously in the parable of the sower, the birds were a reference to the kingdom of darkness, and uh, about the demonic influences that can, happen, can be present in our lives. And one of the things which Phil said at that stage was, you know, that there can often be what can see, because this was nesting in the tree, there can often be a counterfeit spirit that can often be present within the church. He said at that stage, I just had jotted it down, he said, today there are many religious groups nesting under the umbrella of Christianity. Just as Jesus prophesied, many birds of the air have built their nests in the mustard tree of the kingdom. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 says this, now the Spirit expressively says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons. More than ever, we need to recognize, listen, we see this even for some of the voices around us in today's culture and society. There's, we need to have the discerning of spirits. We don't take everything at face value for what it is and just hold on to something and embed it as a truth and a value in our lives. Even with, can I just say this, even any of the times we preach from the platform, it is your responsibility to be able to discern and to weigh and to test these things for yourself. These are principles that we need to embed in our lives, each and every one of us. And so we need to have a discerning of spirits. But yet for me, in terms of while we could look at this again from a defensive thing, today I want to come at this from a posture of advance. How are we moving forward in these ways? While it is true, one of the things which I think we need to, and I said this even to our staff, you know, a couple of weeks ago, what can often happen is we can have a mindset. And if you look around the world, and it's nuts, isn't it, some of the things that are going on? It's crazy. <laughs> and sometimes you can have this thought like, God, look, look, look at the culture around us. It just all seems to be going on. And sometimes in my head, and, and I said this to staff, you know, sometimes what can often come out of my own mouth are things like, I just, I worry for my kids. I worry for the generations coming behind us. Like, what's it going to be like for them? Have you ever said that yourself? Do you ever hear people saying that? It comes out time and time again. And yet, what about if we turned that around? And instead of it being from a posture of fear, we turned it from a posture of faith. And we said, actually, what could it actually be like if we as the church 
rather than being worried about what's coming against, we as the church can actually stay committed and faithful to the things that God is calling us about. What could the world look like if the church starts to us? What could it actually be like for children and young people if we nurtured and discipled them and developed them in such a way that we don't have to worry about what they're experiencing in their schools and what comes against because we're just believing with faith that actually, God, there's a deposit that they carry with them into the environments that they're in. And if they can be faithful with it, imagine how the kingdom of heaven could be like in their lives. Clara, imagine what it could be like in your life. Imagine what it could be like in any of the young people's lives, even though they're up the stairs at the moment and next door in each of the rooms. Imagine if we come at it with the faith mindset that, God, we believe that your kingdom can do huge things, even with what could seem like small and insignificant ways. We see the birds of the air, then this is the result. And with this, just a couple of things just to reference, and then would love us just to pray together. You see, this is the result, and this is ultimately what God desires. When we look about the birds of the air that are nesting in the tree, when I look at it from in light of the rest of Scripture, because we believe that, don't we? It takes all of Scripture to interpret Scripture. When we see even the reference to birds nesting in trees and the reference to God engaging with the birds of the air, we see actually the result that God's kingdom wants to bring into people's lives. So even from the opening pages of Scripture, and I see about the flood, and, and this is where my mind was going during the week, just as I sat reflecting on this and meditating on it. You remember when the waters of the flood started to recede, and Noah sends out the dove, and it comes back with an olive branch, an olive leaf in its mouth, and it's found a place to rest. And when we talk about the birds of the air in this way, you see one of the things which we learn from it is that even with the dove, even in the midst of turmoil, which the flood represented and judgment, suddenly because God's kingdom and grace started to play out, it had found shelter, life, and a place of landing. And what it teaches me is this, when the birds of the air, or if we represent this as the peoples of the world, who God's heart is for, when the birds or people of the world encounter the kingdom, they can find shelter, safety and peace. This is what the world needs. Psalm 104 verse 12 says this, the birds of the sky nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. The truth that it teaches me is when the birds of the, or the people of the world, which it represents, encounter the kingdom, they can find nourishment and it results in joy or sing and imagine this. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this about the birds. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or rape or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? It teaches me when the birds of the air or people of the world encounter the kingdom, they can find provision and sustaining part. Look at the life that God's kingdom brings. This is where it comes to the point. We love the verse. And with this, I just want to pray and I'm done. We love the verse, John 3, 16, don't we? For God so loved the world... He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the whole world. The apostle Peter says these words, it's his, it's his will that none would perish. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his son. And yet, the amazing truth and the amazing responsibility, listen, for each and every person sitting here this morning, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, Listen to my words this morning. The amazing truth as we turn it around is this. God still loves the world. God still loves the world. And because God still loves the world, He now sends the world His sons and His daughters. The ones that carry His kingdom. 
the ones that get out into every part of culture and society. We're going to look at this quite practically next week when we look at about the parable of the yeast, but when we get into each and every part of culture that we carry it into, when we get into it, that we, as we carry the deposits of kingdom life with us, suddenly things can change in people's lives because God so loved the world that he now sends the world his sons and his daughters. And this is why, as we finish and we just pray this morning, you know, Ephesians chapter 2 Verse 10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us in you in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. What this parable teaches me is this. The call of the parable is not about greatness. It's about potential. The call of this parable and what it teaches me, it's not just about greatness, about being biggest and best. It's about potential. You need, we need to hear the truth of the Lord speaking to us this morning. He has deposited kingdom life within you. He has deposited kingdom potential within you. We need not negate or nullify or stop ourselves from stepping into this by comparing ourselves to the ways of others who saying that we're not good enough. It's just lies of the enemy. We need to recognize this is the tactics of warfare, that as we go about our lives and we daily, just faithfully, just give the small deposits and we are kind to people and we're loving to people and we're helpful to other people and we start to show up in faithful ways day and day and day, day after day after day. This is what we need to see with a deposit of things, even as small as a mustard seed, it can grow to be the biggest of trees in the garden that the birds of the air can come and nest and find shelter. For God so loved the world. For God's sake, I would love just if you could close your eyes with me. This is us done. We're going to get very practical. Next week's going to be, in my head anyway, I think is where we're going. Next week's going to be a much, much shorter teach. We're going to leave lots of space for personal reflection and getting very practical next week. But just right now, I would just love for you just to be still. I would love for you just to give a personal invitation to the Lord afresh this week. That there's a willingness in your life, that there's a willingness in your heart, that you would carry those seeds of the kingdom with you this week in the small ways. And yes, in the big ways when they happen, but in the small ways. Why don't we just pray and invite the Holy Spirit just to lead you this week and to use you this week and to be expectant this week? Oh, Father, what a joy it is to be part of the church. Father, what a, a joy it is to be your people. Father, what a joy it is to be your sons and your daughters that you love so much. And we thank you for the good things you've blessed us with. And Father, I thank you for the deposit of your kingdom in our lives. God, thank you that you daily 
are seeking to deposit fresh seed, God, in our lives from your kingdom. We just welcome you in fresh ways in our lives, God. But God, we just ask you this week, would you give us eyes to see, God, the moments, God, just when there's opportunities, God, to just start to rise? God, would you give us the boldness, God, actually to look out and even make some of those opportunities for ourselves? And God, I pray that this week, God, that there would just be throughout, God, each of our lives, God, in each of the different jobs, God, that are represented, God, each of the different environments, God, that people will step into this week. God, we just look and see the potential in this room. God, we see, God, the potential, God, Lord, of people who are carrying seed of the kingdom with them. And God, we just pray this week as your people use us for the glory of your name and for the glory of your kingdom. God, we just pray, Lord, that you would just help us, God, to be faithful in the small ways. Yes, God, to hunger after the big things as well. But God, I pray that this week we would be a faithful people. And so this is our simple prayer. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done in our lives, here on earth, as it is in heaven. Use us, God, this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, God bless you. Um, as, as Lauren announced, there's teas and coffees out in the, in the foyer, which you're welcome to stay around with for us this week. We're expectant to hear stories even coming back just from people's lives. And so God bless you this week and all that you're doing. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.